You're listening to 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. The following is a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Malik Law, not WBEV or Good Karma Brands. Let's head over to Amy Hudson. Chelle and happy Monday. Welcome to Amelik Monday here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge and streaming live at DailyDodge.com. Here from the Slumberland Studios, Rob Mielek of Mielek Law joins us the third Monday of every month to help you prepare for big things that you might not even be aware of that you should be preparing for, like estate planning, protecting your assets, making sure that you save your loved one's time, money, and aggravation. These are all things that Rob Mielek will help you with because it's what he does. Good morning and happy Monday, Rob Mielek. Good morning, Amy Hudson. Same to you. Oh my goodness. I was so excited uh, when you had shared with me before we hit the air that you were in my hometown of Monroe, Wisconsin over the weekend for a big hockey tournament. So fill us in because you've been keeping us uh, you know, up to date throughout the, the hockey season. So what's the latest? Sure. So so, um, we we were in Monroe, and uh, yeah, I'm the head coach for my younger son's uh, team. It's a 10U team. Uh, they call them Squirts. That's the name. Okay, for that's the adorable. Hockey. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, head coach for that, and uh, it's been a rough year. Uh, going into this weekend, we'd won three games all year. Oh my uh, goodness, three twenty-one and three. But this weekend, the boys got inspired, and uh, we won three games in this tournament alone. So. Woo-hoo! Yeah, it was great. We uh, we lost in the championship game four to three, so it was a very competitive wow. game. Um, so it was a tough loss. Uh, we went back and forth. They scored one, we scored one. We never had a lead. Okay. But we were never down by more than one either, and they just scored a goal with uh, two minutes to go in the game to win it. But uh, oh my goodness. yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun tournament. And uh, Monroe's a great town. I'd, I'd never been there before, so uh, yeah, it was a nice place to be. And my older son's actually going to be there for his own hockey tournament this upcoming weekend. So uh, our family will have two uh, forays in Monroe here. <laughs> So. Oh, I love it. Did you uh, happen to make a, a stop for cheese before you came back here to Dodge County? You know, we did not. We should have. Uh, it was one of those things where, from a timing perspective, I told my wife she should hopefully get some uh, when she's out there this weekend. I, <laughs> and it, it's apparently known for Swiss cheese in particular, yes. which is my favorite type of cheese. So oh, it is? It is. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm definitely a Swiss cheese guy. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get some uh, picked up after this weekend and go from there. So, Okay. Yeah, that is good. good to know. And congratulations to all the boys that participated in the hockey season because it's a big deal and those days are long and those games are tough. It is. And uh, the only downside to keep, when we kept winning, it meant I had to spend less time with my niece who's listening, by the way. I want to give oh. her a shout out. Hi, Addison. How are you? It's your uncle on the radio here. So, uh, yeah, so they're in from Baltimore. And uh, cool. it was one of those things where uh, if we had lost, I'd be able to spend a little more time with her. So I'm a little sad. I had to leave before she woke up this morning. But uh, safe travels and uh, you get to hear your name on the radio. So hopefully you're excited about that. Oh, I love that. Um, at any point during the show with Rob of course, give us a call on the Ho-Chunk Gaming Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline because Rob is here to answer your questions. 885-4446, 885-4446. Even if one of those questions right out of the gate is, what the heck do I need an estate plan for, Rob Mielek? I have a will. That's right. And that's what I help people with. And again, the term estate plan really varies. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut. It so sounds so broad. Yes, it, it is. In, in an estate plan, again, an estate plan that may work for one person in one circumstance in life may not necessarily be what works for another person who might be at a different stage in their life. So sure. uh, what I try to do through this show and through my practice in general is let people know, depending on what uh, their condition is right now, where they're at, uh, age, whether they're married, whether they own real estate, whether they're approaching retirement. These are all factors that come into play in terms of what type of estate plan one may have. But again, that is 
one of the biggest things that I do come across in my practice, the difference between will and trust-based planning and making sure that people are aware that, first of all, there is a difference and to let people know what those documents do. Because one of the things I run into uh, very commonly in my practice, Amy, and I know we've talked about it on previous shows, is there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to estate planning. A lot of uh, people playing, you know, the, 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 the lawyer when they're not a lawyer and just hearing advice from sure. people and everything. Sometimes some misinformation gets out there. So what I try to do first and foremost is educate my prospective clients on, on what is out there because, again, most people who are giving legal advice who are not lawyers d don't have malintentions. They, they just don't know what they're talking about. Or, or there's a set of circumstances that may make situation A different than situation B, or there may have been a law change that affects things differently. So that's what I strive to do first and foremost is to educate my clients in terms of the differences between the two. So that's what we're looking at there. That's the main thing I try to do through this show as well as through my practice as a whole. Absolutely. And when people are misinformed like that, that can be dangerous because it can leave them in a situation where they are completely unprepared. 100%. We are going to head to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air with Rob Mielek. Hello. Hi. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes, I have a question. Uh, I'm not familiar with wills and trust. Can you explain the difference? And is it more expensive to write up a trust than it is a will? Sure. I'd, I'd be happy to uh, walk through the difference there. And, and what I will say is this. The cost to create the trust is more expensive, but the savings down the road to creating a trust are significantly uh, higher than creating a will. Because simply put, will-based planning does not guarantee the estate avoids probate. Um, so what happens is people will create a will in time one, the estate will go through probate, which averages about five to $10,000. So while the initial cost to create the will would be less than that, uh, the overall cost uh, in, in what ends up going to your loved ones or to the uh, charities that you wish to uh, have benefit benefit from your estate ends up being significantly less if we create a will as opposed to a trust. Okay. Do I have to make an appointment to do that? Absolutely, yes. So I'll give you my phone number here and I'll give it to the benefit of everybody who's listening. Uh, my number here is 262-347-3444. Again, 262-347-3444. And I do have an office in Beaver Dam, uh, which is probably the closest for most people who are listening, but I do also have offices in Germantown, West Bend, and Port Washington. Please repeat the number one more time. I got the 262 and the 344 part, but I didn't get the middle part. Sure. So it's 262-347-3444. Yep. Four, four. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for the call. The Wisconsin Dallas Lucky Numbers Hotline open for your questions. If you need some advice from Rod Milik of Milik Law, give us a call at 885 885- Four 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 six, and that gentleman had really good, just basic questions. Those are good starter questions. They absolutely are. That's a very common set of questions I get, and, and it, it, again, because a lot of people just don't know that they, they they hear the word will, they hear the word trust, and especially when it comes to trust, they think, well, that's only for rich people. Right. I need and a lot of money to do exactly. that. Exactly. And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, basically, the way Wisconsin law works is if you have over fifty five zero fifty thousand dollars worth of probate assets, the estate goes to probate if you don't have a trust. I mean, that that that's really what it comes down to. So. Again, for most of my clients, in most set of circumstances, the trust is going to be the preferred plan, but some people may be under that threshold, in which case a will-based plan works perfectly fine at that point. You know, and you uh, mentioned early on, Rob, just about uh, people being in, in different phases of their lives. Like, you might need a, a different... A different estate plan at the age of 65 than you needed at the age of 30. 
That's right. And, and I would even start a little earlier than that and say 18. And that, okay. that raises some eyebrows. 18. What does an 18-year-old need an estate <laughs> plan for? They, they can't even legally smoke in, a, anymore now they raise the age, right? Um, but they do. Now, the set of risks that an 18-year-old faces are very different than the couple approaching retirement, certainly. Uh, but let's talk about that a little okay. bit. Let's talk about why an 18-year-old needs an estate plan. And let's face it, most 18-year-olds are not in a position where they can just create their own estate plan. Usually, their parents are the ones helping them with that. So right. I'm speaking more to the parents of the soon-to-be or just having recently turned around 18 or so years of age. Here's what it comes down to. Once that child reaches the age of 18, they're considered an adult in the eyes of the law. Right. Okay? And th that applies in many ways. Uh, they can vote, they can be drafted to the military, things like that. One of the ways people don't necessarily think of is that an 18-year-old now gets to avail himself or herself to what's called HIPAA. Now, most people have heard of HIPAA before. HIPAA is uh, an acronym that stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Um, in English, what it does is it determines when and under what circumstances medical providers can share your medical information. Now, as a general rule, that's a good thing, right? We, right. we don't want medical professionals sharing your information without your consent. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. The unintended consequence of that is this, and I'll walk through a hypothetical that people, I know, Amy, you've heard this many times, but many people have been listening have heard mm -hmm. it a few times, but I think it's it's instructive because, first of all, it, it's always good to hear it again, and secondly, there may be people who've never heard the show before right. we're listening today. Take an 18-year-old, okay? The average 18-year-old in this country is still in high school, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's usually how it works given where birth years fall into play and everything else. I have a summer birthday, so I happen to graduate high school at 17, but most people born between, let's say, September and, and May, when they turn 18, they're still in high school. And most high school seniors live at home with their parents. Certainly not all of them, but the overwhelming majority of them do. So let's take a hypothetical child who reaches the age of 18. Turns 18, they're a senior in high school, they're living at home. That 18-year-old very well could have a car and drive themselves at that point in time, have a driver's license, everything else. They drive to school. They're in a car accident. And the nature of the accident is so bad, they're taken to the hospital, they're in a coma. Can't make decisions for themselves, cannot communicate anything. Unless they have an estate plan, parents not only cannot make medical decisions for their children while they're in that situation, parents can't even receive updates regarding their medical care, okay? Because that child did not affirmatively consent to the sharing of that information even with parents and for you know I'm, I'm a parent i have a 13 year old and a 10 year old they're not 18 yet but god willing they will be at some point you know it, it, most people are not aware of what i just said what i just said over the past 45 seconds there floors a lot of people there's no way that i'm the parent i'm the mom i'm the dad of course i can find that out well no you can't if your child cannot give that consent and that consent can only be done through a health care power of attorney that cannot be done. And again, just to be clear about this, and I'm going to talk about this more as we go forward, because this is what I call more of the misunderstood aspects of estate planning. We kind of hit on the first one when the gentleman called in on the differences between wills and trusts. But mm -hmm. the second one is what I call the, the applicability of powers of attorney. And that's really what it comes down to. And that's kind of the first thing, where that child who reaches the age of 18, once they reach 18, we as parents cannot do either of those two things. We can't make medical decisions. We can't even receive information unless we have an estate plan in place. Now, does an 18-year-old need a will? No, typically not. Most 18-year-olds don't have anything, let alone need a trust. But having those powers of attorney is a form of an estate plan, and it is kind of the baseline for what every person should have. And, and I say that regardless of, of how it's set up, regardless of age, as long as you're over 18. If you're under 18, it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? My two sons under 18, something happens to them, 
well, my wife and I are still the parents. We can make decisions. We can get medical information. But the day they turn 18, we lose that ability. So, again, that's important for people to know. Uh, Again, maybe not for the people listening, but maybe you have grandchildren who are approaching the age of 18. or Maybe they just turned 18. Maybe they're 19, 20, 21, 22. Whatever the case is, the moment they turn 18 and up, we as parents lose that ability. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time... I had learned that um, on this show, and I I was shocked, and just just because it seems like it shouldn't be that way, you know. If the kiddo is living at home and they're still in high school, well, of course I'm going to be able to make those decisions. And in the eyes of the law, that is not how it works. And that's correct. And at the end of the day, the law is what matters. But what I would say is, from a policy standpoint, you know, people come from divided homes, they come from broken homes, they come from families where they may not necessarily have a relationship or a good relationship with their mother or their father. And the problem is, is when one random 18 year old comes in, we don't know what their set of circumstances are. Right. So that's why HIPAA exists. And there is a remedy. The remedy is create an estate plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it doesn't need to be a fully formed out will or trust-based estate plan, just basic powers of attorney. And then that document can serve as the basis for future documents down the road as life circumstances change. The basic powers of attorney, um, we talk about that here during our time together the third Monday of every month. What are the, the, the two uh, powers of attorney documents that um, are, are two that you want to take care of right away? Sure. So the, the main one is the health care power of attorney, mm-hmm. which is just what we described before. But the health care power of attorney under Wisconsin law is limited to just medical decisions and information. Okay. That's it. So I'll give you an example. If somebody's in the hospital, right, there may be obviously wanting to know how the person's doing. You know, have they improved? Uh, especially if someone's in a coma, you know, are we getting more responsiveness, uh, you know, tingling of fingers, whatever the case mm-hmm. is, right? That's where the health care power attorney comes into play. But inevitably, when we have a medical issue, there are financial or I should say non-medical issues that come up with it. For example, what about insurance questions? Right. Right. What about uh, if it, the child's in school, making sure someone's notified, uh, getting report cards, things like that? That is where a financial power of attorney comes into play. So that's the basic package I recommend for every single person over the age of 18, a health care and a financial power of attorney so that we can deal with those types of circumstances. And again, I'm as you know, we've been on the radio for a couple of years now, Amy, you know, I'm a numbers nerd. I love math. I love probabilities. Admittedly, well, the scenario I just described is a very low probability event, okay? But it's not a 0% probability either. And that's what I keep telling my clients. No different than it is a very low probability event that your home will burn down, yet you still maintain homeowner's insurance, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of the same concept. When I frame it in the way of homeowner's insurance, it kind of rings some bells with people, right? Whereas these other set of documents may not necessarily have the same clarity. But at the end of the day, that's really what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're looking to protect against a risk that while unlikely, is still possible. And if it is not addressed, just like if your home burns down, you don't have insurance, that's a problem. If you (laughs) have a child who's in that type of situation, you don't have the ability to receive information to make medical decisions, that's a big problem as a parent. So that's where I kind of start people with, is those Mm -hmm. basic powers of attorney. Uh, The next life event that kind of comes into play is, and I'll call it a combination because it doesn't always happen in this order, but the combination of either getting married and or having children. Sure. Right? That's kind of the next logical event. And in order for, for estate planning purposes, it doesn't really matter. But the having the children is really the important part because, again, this is another aspect of estate planning that is often misunderstood. If you have minor children and something happens to the parents, the only way to determine guardianship is if you have an estate plan. So period. not not if it's written in the will. If uh, if if the will is notarized, that is that's not everything 
that one would need to be completely buttoned up with? No, if it's in a will, that is. A will is okay. a type of estate plan. What I'm referring to is I have clients who say, well, I just have a letter that was notarized gotcha. by my bank that says, you know, if I pass away, Jane and Joe are going to be the guardians of Junior. Uh, that's not legally enforceable. It. If it's in a will, it's enforceable. If it's in a trust, it's enforceable. But verbal agreements, because I hear that all the time. Well, it's just kind of understood, my parents. You know, we've all right. talked about this. My parents are going to get the kids or my sister's going to get the kids. Again, unless it's in an estate plan, whether it's a will-based or a trust-based plan, it will go to court. So, okay, so I was just going to ask, well, then what happens? So what happens once uh, there's liftoff and, and now the situation is, is in a court of law? That's right. And what ends up happening is people will what they call petition the court. Okay. okay. Prospective guardians will petition the court, and courts are going to use what admittedly is a good standard. What is in the best interest of the child? Mm-hmm. That's the standard that the courts use. And, and we like that standard. That's a good standard. But here's the problem. The best judge in the world is only going to get a snippet of what the prospective guardians are going to be. Right. That's it. They get a court appearance. And what I can argue, logically, is that it may not necessarily be who would be the best guardians, but candidly, whose lawyer puts on the best case. Right? Oh, sure. Because at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. A judge is going to hear arguments, is going to hear petitions, and the court is ultimately going to make a decision as it relates to guardianship. Maybe the court gets it right. Maybe they don't. Right. The only way as parents we can guarantee that is to have it through an estate plan. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of people don't know about. And then also think about the unintended aspects of not having an estate plan. I kind of divide this into two parts. Right. Part one would be in order to appropriately make a determination of guardianship, not only does the person have to say why I'm good implicitly or explicitly, they have to say why they are better than the alternative people. Oh, right? boy in-laws, parents versus siblings. I mean, that kind of comes into play. And that is really damaging, particularly for children who just lost their parents at a really young age, because by definition, that's the only subset of people who are going to be in this situation. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I encourage my clients to think about as well. And uh, another analogy, as you know, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, What? Yeah, shocker, right? (laughs) (laughs) What I compare it to is I compare it to an arbitration hearing. And and I don't know. I I know you like baseball, Amy. I don't know if you have the same passion for it that I do. I don't, Um, but I I love how passionate you are. You bet. I don't know if you heard about the uh, Corbin Burns arbitration case recently. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard about this. So Corbin Burns, for those of you who don't know, is probably the best player on the Brewers. Okay. He, he's a pitcher, uh, and he's he was eligible for what's called arbitration. Okay, and Arbitration in baseball is a process where if a team and a player cannot agree on a price, the team submits a price that they want to pay the player, and the player submits a price. Okay. okay? And they go before a panel of arbitrators who are basically judges without a robe, is okay. basically what it comes down to. And the player presents his case, the team presents its case, and the arbitrators can only choose one or the other. They can't split the baby. They oh. either take the owner's position or the player's position, and that's it. Do they all have to agree? Like, oh, No, it's, it's, it's a two-to-one decision, okay. basically, is what it comes out, because it's a tribunal. It's a group okay, of three. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So they pick one or the other. In, in part of that, the player says, well, this is what I did so well, blah, blah, blah. The team, on the other hand, has to kind of do the opposite. Here's what he didn't do well. Oh. And apparently, it led to some bad blood, because the team won the arbitration, saved three-quarters of a million dollars, but now the player is saying this relationship between us and the Brewers is pretty damaged oh, at this point. Oh, no. And that's what's challenging, right? And, and Because that's what comes with it. And, and that's the analogy I use. It's a really good analogy. Right. Analogy for guardianship, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you have people who are petitioning for guardianship, their lawyer should, if he or she is doing his or her job, should say not only why my client is great, but some of the other deficiencies about the other client. You right. know, They're a lot older. 
They live out of state. They don't share the religious values. They don't have kids. Whatever those weaknesses are in terms of the opponent's side should be brought up when the court is trying to use, again, the good standard of what is in the best interest of the children. My thing is, let's make it simple. Mm-hmm. Alleviate all of that yeah. and create an estate plan where the parents get to decide who they think is the best person. And there's one other thing I want to say with that. You've heard me say this before. I'd say just under half Okay, and I I haven't done a study. This is just off the top of my head, right? Just under half of my clients who have minor children have elected to pick a non-family member as guardian. I'm always surprised by that, Rob. You know, on on the surface, I am too, Amy. But the more I think about it, when you pick non-family members, they tend to be closer in age Mm -hmm. and they tend to be your friends, right? And if if they're your friends, first of all, it's higher likelihood that they have children who are about your children's age, that you share some core beliefs, whether that's religiously based, school based, activities based, whatever that is, than maybe your parents or your siblings, right? A lot of people come from uh, blended families. Which side do you pick there? Keeping kids together might be easier if you pick a non-family member as opposed to a family member. So there's a lot of factors that come into that. My point is that for those people who are among the 40 or so percent that do not pick a family member, that non-family member has basically zero chance of getting guardianship in a court because, of course, the court's going to say, well, wait a minute. Who is this person? I mean, (laughs) they might be a good family friend and all, but how do you prove that? Right. And that would be the other thing, too. If if I represent the parent and a uh, non-family member's coming, I'm like, this is a relative. What what are you talking about? Uh I mean, this is the grandparent. This is the aunt. This is the uncle. It's a much easier argument. So, again, if you want to have control over that, and the argument I make from an estate planning perspective is this, right? I always talk about my dual roles as a parent and as a lawyer, right? As a parent, I can tell you that the most important thing is guardianship of my kids, right? Yeah. Who's My wife and I passed away, who's gonna be the guardian? That, mm-hmm. that that supersedes everything. I mean, the money money is what it is. If my kids get less money than, you know, by going through probate, that's disappointing, but I can at least be okay with that. Right. If I'm up in heaven, hopefully, as opposed to down there looking up, right, <laughs> seeing where I'm in that situation, I wanna make sure my kids have the people who we want as guardians to be the guardians. It, it's really that simple. Absolutely. We're talking with Rob Milik of Milik Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer, and he joins us the third Monday of every month at 1110 here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. This is a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Milik Law, not WBEV or Good Karma Brands. And uh, you're here, there, everywhere. Rob Milik. Uh, you are from time to time in your office here in Beaver Dam. Other times you might be in West Bend. You might be in Port Washington or Germantown. You got them all. Amy. All right. What is the number that folks can reach out to you? Yeah. You shared it earlier with the gentleman who called in. I did. So the best way to get a hold of me is uh, my telephone number that reaches me at all four of my offices. It's my personal cell. It rings to my office here. It rings to my paralegal. 262-347-3444. Again, 262 Three four four four. I do always offer free initial consultations. Again, people have enough reasons not to see an estate planning attorney. So having that initial consultation uh, be complimentary is something that at least helps uh, get people to decide to come in. Uh, and then also, if you do decide to go forward, please mention that you heard me on WBEV, and I do afford WBEV listeners a 20% discount off of services. So just make sure you mention that there. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm really not that intimidating of a guy, I promise. No, so you're not. I try to... <laughs> You know, try, try to make it easy for people in that regard. You know, I'm pretty, pretty casual, pretty um, chill in, in that sense. But, uh, you know, I, I, with all the humility, I, I know what people need to know before they can make an informed decision. I don't pressure my prospective clients, but I, I give them the information. 
know, that's kind of the way I look at it. When it comes to that full information, nobody can make a, a good decision without having full and complete information. No, definitely not. Right. So I kind of bridge that gap from my, from my prospective clients and then decide and let them decide whether they see the value in doing what I'm mentioning here. Mm-hmm. I, there is a lot of value in it, especially when it comes to what we were just talking about regarding um, setting proper guardianship within an estate plan for children and alleviating, um, you know, so many things that when someone is going through a moment of grief, not having the extra layers of having to deal with so much more reality. Right. Well, and that's really what it comes down to. And I, I've learned this. This is one of those, I, I throw this under the category of they didn't teach me this in law school. There's a lot of that, right? <laughs> they didn't teach you everything you needed to know in law school, they, Rob Mulek? They didn't, Amy. And uh, as I practice longer and longer, there's more and more things I'm learning that I did not learn in law school. And that's one of them from, from the, I'll call it the soft skill side, right? I mean, the practice of law, there, there's facts, there's knowledge, there's where to look up things, there's how to think like a lawyer. But in terms of the soft skills, one thing I've learned is people grieve very differently mm-hmm. you know ac- across the panoply of my clients we have some people who are just like yeah it happened i'm over it you know what's for dinner uh to people who take it very very hard and it depends on the person depends on the relative depends on the circumstances in which the person passed away there's a lot of factors that go into it but one thing i can tell you with 100 percent certainty is i've never once had a client say to me or their children say to me you know i regret my parents having done this it was harder or more difficult because they did this in fact it's always the opposite it's as we grieved, as we remembered the memory of this person, it was nice to not have the legal aspect to have to worry about, mm-hmm. that my parents thought highly enough of us to do those things anticipatorily so that we could focus on remembering and grieving in everything else as opposed to dealing, oh, my goodness, we have to talk to the lawyer. Yeah. We have to meet consistently with the lawyer to go to court, go to probate, all of those other things. So that's the peace of mind that I can help my clients provide, not only for themselves, but knowing that it'll relieve some of the burden, at least the legal burden, to their children once they do pass away. Yeah, that in itself in itself is a big gift. We're talking with Rob Mielek of Mielek Law, and we are going to head to the phones. Good morning. You are on the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline on the air with Rob Mielek. Yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Kate. I'm calling in regards to, um, I was the power of attorney for health care and uh, my brother's power, uh, excuse me, my brother's beneficiary, he passed in August of a stroke. Um, when we went through all of that, um, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, we were talking about the power of attorney for, I mean, we did his health care power of attorney at the hospital. He hadn't had anybody named, but even though he couldn't speak, uh, he was able to say yes and no. And we had to have the social worker from the hospital come in, and she had to verify that he was agreeing that he wanted me as his power of attorney for his health care needs. Um, so I, I understand that, and I've been through that before with my mother, with my father, with my sister. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm always the one in the family who, <laughs> who gets this end of the deal. So um, I do have two other brothers, but they want nothing to do with that. So, But my question today also is about taxes. Like, my brother didn't own any homes or anything. Uh, we cleared all of his debt up, um, or I cleared all his debt up with what he had left over. But what um, the other day I received a W-2 form from his work. Do I still file taxes after he passes for him? And how does that work? Do you understand that at all? I do. That makes perfect sense. And first of all, my condolences on his passing and some of the other uh, passings you've had to deal with. It sounds like uh, it's been yeah, rough in that regard. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, here's what I will tell you generally, and again, without knowing all the specifics, it's hard for me to know, but just as a general rule, uh, when taxes are due and owing, the person's passing does not affect that. In other words, whatever money he earned in the year uh, that he uh -huh. passed away, that would still be subject to taxation just like he would have been had he been alive. So okay. um, nothing changes in that regard. Um, whatever tax situation he would have been in, again, because I have clients in that situation, you know, they'll pass away in January. Well, technically they were alive for a few days in January, earned whatever income. Now, the filing of taxes is not necessarily the same as owing taxes, right? I mean, depending on his circumstances, depending on what he earned, what deductions he had, so on and so forth, um, he may not owe anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, but I would certainly uh, recommend consulting with a, a CPA or a tax professional uh, to confirm that, um, and then just make sure that all of that gets filed for the year in which he passed away. Because again, unless he passed away at twelve oh one on January one, he would have obviously been alive for a portion of that year, and then would have theoretically owed taxes for that point, or at least been in a position where he had to report the fact that he did not earn enough income to have to pay taxes. Yeah. Okay. And then. So what happens with if he has a refund coming back? Would that be split, you know, between the three siblings that are left if there's nothing put in writing like um Yeah. No. I mean I Okay. Sure. sure. No, I understand that question. So to answer that question, I would just have to ask a few more questions. Uh, and again, yeah. I was f trying to follow back and forth with what you said. So let's start with some basics here. Uh, was he married at the time of his passing? He was not married and had no children. Okay. That was going so, to be my next question. Yeah. And then both of your parents predeceased him, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah. so yes, then, then then the heirs at law would be the siblings. That's correct. So okay. what typically happens there is I'm assuming this, and this is going to sound ridiculous, so bear with me here. I'm assuming the tax refund is less than fifty five zero fifty thousand dollars correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, much yeah. less, right? So what happens there is that there's a streamlined process called an, uh, a transfer affidavit or an, a, an affidavit by transfer, whatever the case is, and uh, that allows you to basically be able to uh, cash out that check. If it was over 50000 it would have to go through probate and get the courts involved, but since it's likely well under that amount, um, you can do that, and your, your local bank should be able to help you with that, or if not, that's something oh. I can prepare very easily for you. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's my question. I just was curious about the tax situation because I, I hadn't had to do that with any of my other relatives that passed. And sure. uh, then all of a sudden I got his, and I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? You bet. So, okay, well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Best of luck. Thank you, Kay. Uh, Rob Mielek, your hometown lawyer on the air here with us on your hometown station. 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Feel free to ring us up on the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline with your questions. If you need some advice from Rob, he really is here to help you get things in order. 920-885-4446 is the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline, 885-4446. And one of the things that Kay had shared, you know, specifically, Rob, about the situation that her brother was in is being at the hospital and, and having to take care of his uh, power of attorney paperwork there and while he couldn't talk being able to communicate to a point where you know a rep from the hospital was was okay with getting the paperwork in order that is exactly I feel my heart really does go out to Kay and anyone who's in a situation like that and this is you know when we get together the third Monday of every month and we talk about these things this is the type of situation that you can help people avoid by having those documents in order Absolutely. And again, that is a difficult situation and, and may her brother rest in peace. But what I would say is this is it very easily could have gone a different way had she had the condition deteriorated more quickly. 
uh, had she waited a little longer to get these documents in place, he may not have been in a position where he was communicative. And again, just to be clear, communication does not have to be verbal. Okay. You, know? you see it on TV shows, the squeeze of a hand, squeeze one for yes, yeah. squeeze two for no, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. It doesn't have to be verbal. So the law is very well established on that. But um, you know, to your point, I, I, I do mention that. And I, I try to be as cog- you know, as, as cognizant as I can about situations and emotions and everything else. But what I would say is that in Kay's situation, while it's a set of very unfortunate circumstances, she did get lucky in the sense that at the time this was sought, he did have the ability to communicate, albeit non-verbally. Not everyone's in that situation. No. And we don't know whether we are or not going to be in that situation. So that's why planning ahead is the right way to do it. That way we don't have to worry about whether we beat the clock, so to speak. I mean, I, I, I've mentioned this to you before. I don't know if it was either on or off air at various times where you know, I've had a lot of signings in hospice facilities. You uh, have not shared I have, that. yeah. And that's what it is. It's one of those things where people are in hospice. And, and again, I'm not a medical professional by any means, uh, but my general experience with hospice care is that most people are lucid while they're in hospice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have a very difficult medical condition, but they at least have their mental faculties about them as a general rule. But they know the time is near, right? And we've signed documents at hospice facilities because I know the person has capacity, or at least I determine the person has capacity and kind of go from there. But that's really pushing it. I mean, yeah. literally, it, it's it, it's difficult in that sense. So that's why I'm such a big fan of planning that we don't have to worry about that. You know, because it's one of those things where, and again, and my wife, I think, is listening right now. She's heard me say this, right? When I go on vacation, I worry about that. Sure. I worry that, okay, I'm going to get a call on the Monday I leave for a week-long vacation that, hey, this has got to get done. Now, are there other attorneys that do what I do? Well, of course there are. But I worry about that, that somebody may not be able to get their documents done because I chose to take a vacation. Now, okay. that doesn't stop me from taking vacations, but I do think about that, right? And, and I, I do worry about that. I'm worried about getting that call while, while I'm out because that stuff does happen. And, and I've been in a situation where I've been there and been able to take care of it right away, uh, putting that to the top of the priority to make sure those get done the same day. I've, mm-hmm. I've done that before, too, where uh, I'll put everything aside and you know, reshuffle calls, and my paralegal, Stacy helps me out with that, and we, you know, we, we get done what needs to get done based on the time urgency. So right. it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. And again, I, I always tell my clients, I am speaking purely from a legal standpoint. I am not talking emotions, anything like that. That is way above my pay grade. That is not what I'm referring to. I'm talking purely the legal slash financial implications that come with making sure the legal documents are in place and that they're in place well before capacity is ever in question. You know, we talked about the need for uh, children living at home, still in high school. They turn 18. It's very important for uh, them to have an estate plan, very basic, but at least with minimum powers of attorney paperwork. What about for people that are married? Yeah, and that's where another issue comes into play. Uh, Again, we talked before about the common theme of misconceptions. So Mm -hmm. that married couple... You, uh, talk, you've heard, you definitely heard me say this one before, polling 100 people at Walmart. Yeah. Right? If, I, if I polled 100 married individuals at Walmart and asked them, uh, you know, you're a married person. If you or your spouse is in a situation where you lose capacity, whether temporarily, like you're in a car accident, or permanently you develop Alzheimer's and dementia, do you believe that you as the spouse could make medical decisions and receive information? I'd say 95% of them will say, well, of course, I'm the spouse. Why wouldn't I be able to receive it? Mm-hmm. And that 95% would be wrong uh, because the only way even a spouse can receive 
receive information, just like with the 18-year-old child, is if we have an estate plan in place. So that's something I try to make sure my clients are aware of, too, that just because you're married gives you no more rights than you would have if you were not married uh, to be able to receive that information and make those medical decisions. Mm -hmm. So um, that is often met with a lot of surprise. I'd argue even more surprise sometimes than my clients who are surprised they cannot make medical decisions or receive medical information for their 18 or 19 or or so year old child mm -hmm. um, because they think, well, Wisconsin's a marital property state. We own everything jointly. Uh, right. Which you don't own everything jointly, even if you think you own everything <laughs> jointly, but that's a, se that's another that's a, se that's a separate discussion. We don't have enough time to get into that separate one. Separate show. You, you bet. But but again, that's really what it comes to. And that's just the common theme of, of, of what I do here, Amy, is dispelling people of those misconceptions, giving people the correct information, and then letting them decide whether to what extent they want to implement that information. Because mm -hmm. that is one point I will say. While getting information is a good thing, getting the information does nothing. No. It might make you more informed, which is great, but until we put uh, theoretical pen to paper, you're in no better condition than you were before you learned what was going on. So, mm -hmm. again, making sure that people are aware of that. And that's one of those things, well, well of course. If, you know, of course, uh, having it in my head doesn't make it legal. But I find that if I don't say that, a lot of people just don't quite understand it. So <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're on the same page with that. So that's why I always say that the information's free. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I talk all the time when it comes to giving people the information. But we need to make sure that we get it in writing to make it enforceable and have it do what we want it to do. I mean, that's the mm -hmm. whole intention here. Yeah, that's why it's so important just to start the conversation. Exactly. Have that initial meeting. And again, however you want to proceed with that initial meeting is fine. Uh, even though COVID is mostly passed, I guess, if you want to say that, I still do a lot of virtual consultations, uh, telephone calls, Zoom calls, uh, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, I do house calls as well. I have a lot of clients who might have mobility issues, uh, simply feel more comfortable meeting in their home. Maybe they live far away from one of my offices. So I offer that for, uh, for free as well. I do not charge for office visits. Now, if you're up in, you know, Superior, we may have to talk about it, right? But <laughs> as far as, you know, within, you know, let's say an hour or so of one of my offices, uh, I'm not going to charge a uh, initial consultation fee for, for traveling to you. Um, so again, as we discussed before, my main office uh, for most people who are listening is in Beaver Dam. Um, I also do have offices in Germantown, Port Washington, and West Bend. Uh, my telephone number is 262 347 3444. Again, 262 Three four seven three four four four. That is the number for all of my offices. You can call that number twenty four seven. You can also text that number if you prefer. I also get text messages. At I that texted number. you last week. You sure did, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm a millennial. For those of you who've never met me before, so I do text. I do all of that. So uh, feel free to contact me in that regard. Again, as I mentioned before. Uh, let me know if you are a WBEV listener, and I do afford WBEV listeners a 20% discount off of legal services. That's so generous of you, Rob. We're talking with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer, and he joins us the third Monday of every month. You're on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Feel free to ring us up on the Wisconsin Dells Ho-Chunk Gaming Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline at 885-4446, 885 Four 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 six. If you have a question for Rob regarding estate planning, maybe you need some advice like Kay did, who called earlier on the show. Rob really is here to help, and there is zero need to feel intimidated because Rob has a gift for making things really easy to understand, especially when it comes to things that might feel overwhelming, like estate planning and figuring out how to get your estate in order and talking about those things that really are kind of uncomfortable to talk about um, because it involves death and dying and situations that we don't want to find ourselves or our loved ones in.
That's right. It, it's not comfortable. I'll be the first uh-huh. to admit it, but, but neither is going to the dentist. I have yet to meet anybody who says, I can't wait to go to the dentist, right? But I'm one of those people, Rob. Sure. Sorry. You enjoy going to the dentist? I, like, I really do. Oh, perfect. Well, I can tell you what. Now that I've found my new dentist, I enjoy going too, but not, not as much. I mean, I'm not you know, it's one of those things. It's a necessary evil, right? It it's, is. And it's also precautionary, right? I mean, if you get your dental work done now, it saves you cost and much more pain down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lesson I wish I learned in my 20s, but I didn't. I learned it in my 30s. But, uh. you know, it's one of those things where live and learn. And, and again, this is going to happen, right? Any sane, rational adult is going to know we're all going to pass away at some point. We don't know when. We don't know how. Um, but we're all going to pass away. So my thought is why not have as much peace of mind for as long as possible and make sure that your estate planning documents are done. And again, not necessarily just for yourself or your spouse, but but for your loved ones as well. Not only to save them uh, aggravation, but also to save them money. Right. If the estate has to go through probate, that means more money going to the courts, more money going to the attorney than money going to your loved ones or the charities that you hold so dearly. That's why people should create estate plans, not necessarily for themselves, but for the benefits of their loved ones and the uh, organizations that they want to benefit from their past or once they pass away. Uh, I just got the the two minute marker, Rob Mielek. So, how would you like to wrap the show up for the day? <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. It, it is. No, no, it's all right. As I stammer through it, that'll that'll take up about fifteen <laughs> seconds of it, though. So I'm, I'm an eighth of the way there. Well, it's so it's not funny, but I do find it interesting that you know we we really cover so much during the yeah. time together on the air, which we should be. Uh, but then when we get down to like, oh my gosh, it's two minutes. What the heck are we yeah. going to talk about now? Well, and that's the thing. If you hadn't said anything, I probably would have just kept rambling. <laughs> on but not, now Next that we've time that, I know for yeah, sure no no it, it, it's all right no I just uh, yeah it's like I said, it, it's one of those things where if, if I can just have one parting message I guess for people who may not listen to the show again or may not listen to it for a while have a conversation start thinking about it right it, it's one of those things where even if it's just a matter of asking questions we had a couple people call in today I'm always happy to answer those questions you will not receive a bill from me in the mail if you ask a question I promise you um, I'm happy to give out the information because at the end of the day without that information people can't create a state plan so at least a knowing uh, and, and, and appropriate estate plan for their circumstances so just call me reach out 262-347-3444 again 262 262- Three four seven three four four four. Rob Mielek of Mielek Law. It is always a pleasure. Rob, you will be with us in March. I will. On March 20th. Yep. I wrote that down. I didn't remember that. But. 28 days. Well, February's <laughs> easy, right? Today's the yes. 20th. You know it's going to be four weeks from then, so it'll be March 20th. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Rob Mielek of Mielek Law, your hometown lawyer, joins us the third Monday of every month here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Melik Law, not WBEV or Good Karma Brands.